Hello everyone and welcome to the September 21st edition of the WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Foles, an attorney with the Floyd Scarron Law Firm. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started with our litigation report. Last July, Novartis agreed to pay over $729 million to resolve whistleblower lawsuits alleging that it made illegal use of three foundations as conduits to pay the co-payments of Medicare patients and to resolve claims of, payment of payments of kickbacks to doctors. The total fine and penalty paid for illegal conduct inside the United States was over double that paid by Novartis for its conduct outside the U.S., when Novartis settled violations for foreign bribery for $337 million. The California Attorney General just announced the trickle-down effects of these settlements, with its $11.8 million settlement against the company. Novartis was accused of offering payment in the form of cash, meals, and honoraria, to healthcare practitioners who spoke at or attended Novartis speaker events, roundtables, speaker training meetings, or lunch and learns, to encourage them to prescribe certain Novartis drug products. Novartis sales representatives conducted speaker programs and roundtables at some of the most expensive restaurants in the United States, including Gary Danko in San Francisco and Patina and Matsushia in Los Angeles. Some Novartis sales representatives conducted speaker programs and roundtables at venues where the focus was on entertainment, including fishing trips, sporting events, wine tastings, hibachi tables, wineries, and golf clubs. The California settlement is a result of a whistleblower case filed in the United States District Court for the Southern District of New York back in 2011. As part of the agreement, Novartis is required to pay California $11.8 million, which will be split between the general fund and Medi-Cal. This settlement agreement is a part of the work of the California Department of Justice's Bureau of Medi-Cal Fraud and Elder Abuse. It receives 75% of its funding from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services under a grant award totaling more than $42 million. In our crime report, two California men admitted to participating in a conspiracy to broker patients as part of a multi-state patient scheme in which one of them directed recruiters to bribe drug-addicted individuals to enroll in drug rehabilitation programs, and the other paid referral fees from his rehabilitation center in exchange for those referrals. 57-year-old Dr. Akikar Mohammed of West Hills pleaded guilty to one count of conspiracy to violate the Eliminating Kickbacks in Recovery Act, that's ECRA. And 32-year-old Kevin M. DeCow of Tustin pleaded guilty to one count of conspiracy to commit health care fraud. According to the Medical Board of California Records, Muhammad is a board-certified psychiatrist specializing in addiction. He has a private practice seeking mostly patients suffering from addiction <clears throat> or a dual diagnosis of addiction and another psychiatric disorder. 
In addition to his private practice, he founded two drug rehabilitation facilities, one in Agoura Hills and the other in Malibu. ECRA was enacted by Congress in October 2018. It was part of a broader package of legislation aimed at combating the opioid crisis. The federal law bars the payment of kickbacks in exchange for the referral of patients to drug treatment facilities. Dr. Mohammed's ECRA conviction is among the first such convictions in the country. Three other individuals have previously pleaded guilty for their roles in the scheme. Peter Costas of Red Bank, New Jersey, Seth Logan Welsh of Forest Hill, Maryland, and John C. Devlin of Baltimore, Maryland. DeKau, Welsh, and Devlin and their conspirators owned a, and operated a marketing company in California. They used the marketing company to help orchestrate a scheme in New Jersey, Maryland, and California, and other states that involved bribing individuals addicted to heroin and other drugs to enter into drug rehabilitation centers in exchange for referral fees from those facilities. One facility in West Hills, California that paid such referral fees was owned and operated by Dr. Muhammad. The marketing company engaged in a nationwide network of recruiters to identify and recruit potential patients who were addicted to heroin or other drugs and who had robust private health insurance. To convince drug-addicted individuals to travel to and enroll in rehabilitation when they otherwise would not have, the recruiters offered to bribe them, often as much as several thousand dollars, and they were instructed to stay at the facilities long enough to generate referral payment. Mohammed's drug treatment facility typically paid the marketing company a fee of $5,000 to $10,000 per patient referral, and recruiters received about half that amount for each patient they brokered. Mohammed faces a maximum penalty of five years in prison and a quarter of a million dollar fine. His sentencing is scheduled for January 20, 2021. Workers' compensation premium fraud can range from misclassifying a few workers into safer jobs than what they actually perform, falsely reporting employees as independent contractors, or setting up dummy companies to hide employees to keep payroll and, in turn, workers' compensation premiums artificially low. In yet another case of alleged premium fraud, 63-year-old Felipe Suarez Borosio of Atwater, the owner of Agricultural Services, Inc., and his daughter, 33-year-old Angelita Barrochio Negrete of Merced, were arraigned in, on multiple felony counts of insurance fraud. Prosecutors say the company allegedly underreported employee payroll by $11 million in order to fraudulently reduce the premium for workers' comp insurance by over $2.5 million. The State Compensation Insurance Fund filed a suspected fraudulent claim with the California Department of Insurance, alleging potential insurance fraud last October. 
Skiff reported that Barrosio was suspected of underreporting employee payroll in order to reduce the proper rate of insurance premiums. An investigation by the California Department of Insurance revealed that Barrosio and his daughter, who worked as the office manager, provided Skiff with fabricated quarterly employee payroll reports. The two will return to court on October 27, 2020, for further proceedings, and the Merced County District Attorney's Office will be prosecuting this case. A Los Angeles County Sheriff's deputy has been arrested and charged with workers' comp fraud. 47-year-old Kevin Adams, who lives in Covina, faces one count of work comp insurance fraud. His arraignment is scheduled for January 11, 2021, at the Foltz Criminal Justice Center. Adams was assigned to the Twin Towers Correctional Facility Custody Services Division. The terse announcement by the district attorney's office simply says that he is accused of filing a false workplace injury claim for which he was receiving disability benefits. Inmate records show he was arrested and released a short time later after being cited. Adams faces a possible maximum sentence of five years in county jail if convicted as charged. The case remains under investigation by the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department Internal Criminal Investigations Bureau. And in regulatory news, Governor Gavin Newsom signed a new workers' compensation presumption law this Thursday. The new law will expand access to workers' compensation for frontline workers affected by the coronavirus pandemic and those who encounter an outbreak in the workplace. Senate Bill 1159 creates a rebuttable presumption of infection for people like grocery store employees, healthcare workers, firefighters, and law enforcement officers who believe they contracted the coronavirus at work. The new law also creates a presumption of infection whenever there is a workplace outbreak over a two-week span of time. SB 1159 is effective immediately as an urgency statute and will remain in effect through January 1, 2023. The new law imposes an onerous administrative burden on California employers and their workers' compensation claims administrators. The third category of presumptions, the outbreak group, which is now Labor Code 3212.88, works administratively by requiring every employer in the state with five or more employees to report information about any employee who tests positive for COVID-19 to their workers' compensation claims administrator within three days. The workers' compensation claims administrator must use this information to keep a count on COVID-19 testing at each site location. And when the criteria of four or more, or 4% of the workforce in 14 days is met, apply the presumption to the outbreak group of cases reported during that 14-day window. There is a $10,000 penalty for failure to meet the three-day reporting requirement 
or for providing a fraudulent report. This new law applies retroactively depending claims, which means that employers and claims administrators have to go back in time and collect this data from millions of California employers of more than five people immediately. They have 30 calendar days to report on the retroactive claims now that the bill has been signed. Newsom also signed a new law that will require employers to report coronavirus outbreaks to their local public health department within 48 hours and to employees who may have been exposed within one business day. Assembly Bill 685 also gives Cal OSHA the authority to close a worksite or place of employment that is actively exposing workers to the risk of contracting the virus. California franchisors and franchisees suffered a setback when the legislature rejected a proposed franchise exemption to AB5 in the recently passed cleanup legislation. When AB5 was enacted in 2019, it appeared to create a presumption that the franchise business model created an employment relationship between the franchisor and franchisee and the franchisee's employees. The bill's sponsors in the assembly disclaimed any intent to interfere with franchised outlets and pledged to address the issue in future amendments to the law. An early draft of the AB5 amendments included a franchise exemption, but the provision died as amending legislation made its way to enactment. Franchisors and franchisees will need to again reassess their approach to franchising in California's AB5 environment. In a 2019 alert written by a member of the Fox Rothschild Law Firm, which is a 950-lawyer national firm, the authors noted a few possible actions by franchisors and franchisees in the wake of AB5, none of them were palatable. What is the future of the thousands of California franchisees and their tens of thousands of employees remains to be seen. The California Workers' Compensation Institute has prepared a comprehensive report on the impact of 20 years of medical reforms in California. The average number of visits for evaluation and management, that's ENM, and physical medicine services in California workers' compensation system has continued to edge down since the enactment of SB 863 in 2012. But with the adoption of the RBRVS fee schedule, evidence-based medicine standards, mandatory utilization review, and independent medical review and other reforms, ENM and physical medicine payments have increased from 33% to 47% of the total medical reimbursements in our system. The study tracks medical service utilization and total amounts paid per claim for medical services delivered within the first 24 months of treatment, with results broken out by medical service category. 
California has enacted multiple legislative and regulatory reforms affecting workers' comp medical benefit delivery over the past two decades. For this reason, the study examines and compares data from claims with initial treatment dates within an 18-year span. That would be from 2000 through about 2017. The study also provides data on regional variations in medical services over time. And the authors also analyzed four claim characteristics that impact medical service utilization, opioid use, major surgery, the injured worker's age, and the industry in which they were employed at the time of injury. For example, the study found that the average age of a California injured worker has increased from 38.9 years in 2000 to 43.9 years in 2017. This was a notable finding given that the likelihood of having major surgery within the first 24 months of treatment increases with age. And the study shows workers over 40 also have significantly higher E&M and physical medicine utilization rates. The full study has been released in a CWCI research note, and CWCI members and subscribers can access the report at the CWCI website. Cal-OSHA has issued citations to frozen food manufacturer Overhill Farms Incorporated and its temporary employment agency, JobSource North America, Inc., with over $200,000 in proposed penalties to each employer for failing to protect hundreds of employees from COVID-19 at two plants in Vernon, California. Officials say the employers did not take any steps to install barriers or implement procedures to have employees work at least six feet away from each other. And they did not investigate any of their employees' COVID-19 infections, including more than 20 illnesses, and in the case of Overhill Farms, one death. Cal-OSHA opened inspections with Overhill Farms and JobSource last April after receiving complaints of hazards related to COVID-19. The inspections, including visits at two facilities in Vernon, where Overhill Farms employees and workers from JobSource manufacture a variety of frozen foods. Kalosha said it found hundreds of employees were exposed to serious illnesses from COVID-19 due to the lack of physical distancing procedures among workers including where they clocked in and out for their shift, at the cart where they put on gloves and coats, in the break room, and on the conveyor line and during packing operations. At the larger of the two facilities, Cal OSHA said it identified 330 employees of Overhill Farms and 60 employees of JobSource were exposed to the virus from the lack of physical distancing. At the smaller facility, Kalosha found 80 Overhill Farms workers and 40 employees of JobSource did packing operations, worked in the marinating area, and processed raw poultry without any distancing procedures or protective barriers in place. 
Other violations included the failure by both employers to train employees on the hazards presented by the virus and failure to investigate any of the more than 20 COVID-19 illnesses and one death Cal OSHA uncovered amongst their employees. The employers did not adequately communicate the COVID-19 hazards to their workforce, and Overhill did not report the COVID-19 fatality to Cal OSHA. Overhill Farms said that it would contest the agency's erroneous allegations, adding that Cal OSHA has falsely claimed that the company failed to install plexiglass dividers. Officials with JobSource said they also planned to dispute the citations. The Workers' Compensation Insurance Rating Bureau of California has released the 2019 California Workers' Compensation Aggregate Medical Payments Trends Report, comparing medical payments information from 2017 to 2019. This report analyzes medical payment and utilization trends by provider type, service locations, and service types, and also includes an analysis on utilization and cost of opioid prescriptions and physical medicine services over time and by region. Key findings of the report show that overall medical payments and payments per claim continued to decline in 2019, with pharmaceuticals experiencing continuous sharp declines in medical payments. Physical therapy services experienced the largest increase in the share of medical payments, largely driven by increases in the pay amount per service. Physical medicine and rehabilitation procedures are the fastest growing within all physician services and use of hematological agents increased more significantly than other therapeutic groups from 2018 to 2019. Urban areas had a higher share of claims involving physical medicine services, while more suburban and rural areas had lower shares. Physician offices remained as the leading place of service, accounting for the highest share, 55%, of medical payments in 2019. This was mostly driven by its highest share of medical transactions in 2019. Urgent Care Center experienced the largest percentage increase in the share of medical paid. Paid per transactions increased significantly for emergency rooms and outpatient hospitals in 2019, yet their transaction shares remained similar to the prior year. The share of medical payments for pharmaceuticals decreased significantly by about 43%, from 6% in 2017 to 3% in 2019. Key drivers of the decrease include legislation and policies intended to restrict inappropriate prescribing, use of the CURES database to monitor prescriptions of controlled substances, anti-fraud efforts, and the new drug formulary. The number of claims involving opioid prescriptions continue to decline significantly. Tulare, Inyo, and Bakersfield had the highest share of claims involving opioid prescriptions, while the Silicon Valley area and Los Angeles Basin had the lowest share. 
The share of total medical transactions for Medical Legal 104, which is the most complex and expensive medical legal evaluation, decreased by 11% in 2019 compared to 2017. While that for MedLegal 105 through 106, which is testimonies and supplementary evaluations, increased by 4%. The full report is available in the research section of the WCIRB website. And in other news, the COVID-19 pandemic has forced companies to rethink the way people work, and working from home may have become the new standard as one major corporation after another announced their plans for remote work. Some companies, such as Twitter, provided the chance for staff to work remotely forever. Maintaining large office spaces in cities, such as New York and San Francisco, is extremely expensive, and the taxes are astronomical. Having people work from their own homes or in lower-cost cities is an attractive option for the chief financial officers to shave off large expenditures and save money. Stripe, the fast-growing financial tech payments company, has an interesting deal for its employees. These employees could be paid $20,000 to relocate from high-priced cities to lower-cost locations. But there's a catch. The workers who take up the offer will have to take a 10% cut in their compensation. In addition to the company Stripe, other companies have made similar type offers. VMware, a California-based publicly traded software company that provides cloud computing and virtualization software and services, announced that employees who work remotely will get a pay cut if they move out of Silicon Valley to live in less costly cities. Employees who worked at VMware's Palo Alto, California headquarters and go to Denver, for example, must accept an 18% salary reduction. And leaving Silicon Valley for Los Angeles or San Diego means relinquishing 8% of their annual pay. The Facebook CEO, Mark Zuckerberg, vowed to allow his employees to continue working remotely. He said that Facebook is going to be the most forward-leaning company on remote work at its scale. But Zuckerberg forewarned that employees will have to tell their bosses if they move to a different location, saying that those who flee the lower cost city flee to lower cost cities may have their compensation adjusted based on their new locations. The chief executive added that there will be severe ramifications for people who are not honest about this. Just as there is heated debate over reopening the economy too quickly, there are contradicting actions of leading corporations that reflect a reticence to fully embrace the work-from-home revolution. Google, Amazon, and Facebook have recently leased, built, or purchased corporate real estate, bucking the remote movement. They are playing it safe by both offering people the chance to work from home, but also expanding their office footprint in case the work-from-home trend slowly dissipates. 
And that is all of our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for our news updates, for past editions of our news, and much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and our special reports using your iPhone, your iPad, or your Android device by searching for the WorkComp Academy with your podcast software. And we also publish our daily news podcast and other utilities on our free WorkCompApps.com smartphone app. Again, I'm Renee Fols with Floyd Scarin, Manukian Langevin. Thanks for joining us today. Please drop by again next week for more news.